This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. If you've been listening along to the previous episodes, then you'll know that we are in uh, letter number 30 on conquering the conqueror. And in this letter, Seneca is discussing how he's been having these conversations with one of his friends who is really at the edge of death. He's getting very old, his body is very frail. And so Seneca's been having these conversations about death and dying and what it means for us in our lives. And so we're going to be finishing off going from verse 13 through to the end, verse 18 today. Has a lot to cover, but I think that there are some core ideas that we can pull out of these few verses uh, and that can really be helpful for us in our lives and that absolutely add to the arguments that Seneca has been making so far. So I'll start reading and see where we find ourselves along the way. He says, quote, I admit, therefore, that I have visited this dear friend of mine more frequently on many pretexts but with the purpose of learning whether I should find him always the same, and whether his mental strength was perhaps waning in company with his bodily powers. But it was on the increase, just as the joy of the charioteer is wont to show itself more clearly when he is on the seventh round of the course and near the prize." End quote. So we'll, we'll pause here for a moment because I really like this sentiment that we get from Seneca here where he's going to see his old friend and he's watching his old friend to see if, you know, as he is dying, as his body is becoming more and more broken, uh, you know, does his spirit go along with his body or is he able to, as Seneca would have wanted, die an honorable honorable death to, to show that you can die uh, a calm death, right? And, uh, and this this is just really beautiful. It certainly aligns with uh, the way that Seneca believes we should all face death in that, you know, we should not allow the spirit, the soul uh, to be degraded with the body. Seneca believes that the soul is superior to the body. That is part of his theology, his metaphysics, right? Uh, And so in that sense, he's really hoping that his friend of his remains in high spirits and can show that death is nothing to be feared. This is certainly something that we could all think about in our lives as we approach closer and closer every day that final moment. So he goes on, quote, Indeed, he often said in accord with the counsels of Epicurus, I hope, first of all, that there is no pain at the moment when a man breathes his last, but if there is, one will find an element of comfort in its very shortness. For no great pain lasts long. And at all events, a man will find relief at the very time when soul and body are being torn asunder, even though the process be accompanied by excruciating pain, in the thought that after his pain is over he can feel no more pain. I am sure, however, that an old man's soul is on his very lips and that only a little force is necessary to disengage it from the body. A fire which has seized upon a substance that sustains it needs water to quench it, 
or sometimes the destruction of the building itself. But the fire which lacks sustaining fuel dies away of its own accord. End quote. So we'll pause here for a moment too, because uh, those last few lines were all within this quote that Seneca is giving us of, you know, things that his friend would be speaking about, ways that he would be discussing death and dying, right? And you can see this recurring theme that we see uh, actually in a few places in, in Stoic writings, and definitely in Seneca's writings, though I cannot quote them right now, where he's giving this argument of, you know, perhaps we are afraid of the pain at the end of our lives. Uh, but really, the, the, the good news that Seneca gives us, well, that he believes, right, and he, he believes is a reasonable thing to think about in relation to our death, is that this pain at the very moment of our death, if it is too much for us, and it, if it is going to be the thing that kills us, then it's going to be very short and we will no longer feel the pain, right? Uh, but nonetheless, if, if we are still feeling the pain, if it's still with us, then by definition, you know, we're not dead yet and uh, it's something that we can bear. Uh, but in here, he gives this example uh, where his friend is saying, well, you know, uh, this, this pain at the, the moment of death, it's not going to last very long. So we should take some sort of, uh, uh, we, we should take some consolation in that, I guess. And on top of that, he gives this beautiful analogy of the fire. You know, he says that uh, the soul is is likely close to the lips, right? It's it's easily discharged once the body is no longer capable of of holding the soul. In the same way that a fire, you know, perhaps to put out a fire, you will push down the building, or you know, get rid of the fuel that is is needed to sustain it, right? Uh, but uh, sometimes the fire, if it just doesn't have the fuel to last, right, it will just go out on its own accord. Believes the soul might perhaps even be like that when the body is no longer capable of sustaining the soul. It exits the body and dissolves into the ether, perhaps. And what I think is really interesting here is that, you know, we, we, we so often categorize Seneca as a philosopher, which he certainly was, right? But there's so often a theological tilt to his writings, a theological theme that flows through it. He's dealing with matters of the soul. The more I read Seneca, the more I start to understand that he is in many ways a doctor of the soul. Uh, you know, he is a theologian. He's wrestling with these concepts of the soul, of, you know, what is God? There's so much more that we're, that is coming up in his letters where he wrestles with questions of God and, and, and the gods, you know, and, and universal nature, all this sort of stuff, you know, these are the sorts of questions that really uh, uh, go go even, even deeper uh, in terms of the metaphysical layers of philosophy and seeking wisdom. So anyway, I'll keep on reading. He says, quote, I am glad to hear such words, my dear Lucilius, not as new to me, but as leading me into the presence of an actual fact. And what then? Have I not seen many men break the thread of life? I have indeed seen such men. But those have more weight with me who approach death without any loathing for life, letting death in, so to speak, and not pulling it towards them. Bassus kept saying, It is due to our own fault that we feel this torture, because we shrink from dying only when we believe that our end is near at hand. 
But who is not near death? It is ready for us in all places and at all times. Let us consider, he went on to say, when some agency of death seems imminent, how much nearer are other varieties of dying which are not feared by us? A man is threatened with death by an enemy. But this form of death is anticipated by an attack of indigestion. And if we are willing to examine critically the various causes of our fear, we shall find that some exist and others only seem to be. We do not fear death, we fear the thought of death. For death itself is always the same distance from us. Wherefore, if it is to be feared at all, it is to be feared always. For what season of our life is exempt from death? But what I really ought to fear is that you will hate this long letter worse than death itself, so I shall stop. Do you, however, always think on death in order that you may never fear it? Farewell. End quote. Okay, so I'm going to do my best to break down this argument that Seneca is giving us uh, in many respects via his friend uh, Bassus in these last few verses here. Because I think that this argument that they make together is really important and can help us to, to understand why the Stoics were so obsessed with teaching us to, you know, regularly think about death in our lives. So he's basically saying in these last few verses that uh, most people, when they fear death, it's really uh, the the thought of death that they are afraid of, right? Because it, it, it's as if the intensity or the, the energy of that final kind of few moments of your life in terms of, you know, you're getting to toward the end of your life, you can actually see the event of death coming towards you now. It's presenting itself in a greater and greater intensity, right? That intensity means that death is going to be on your mind more, which means that you're being presented with this thought of death and of your own death, right? More and more often, that's the thing that you're actually afraid of. That's the thing that you're, uh, that, that you're really, um, uh, uh, you know, shying away from. But they make this interesting point here, which is that the, the kind of logical uh, uh, mistake that people are making when we, when we really get afraid of death and shy away from death to Towards the end of our lives, right, is, is simply that death was never just this thing that happens at the end of your life. It was always as close to us as it was or as it is at that moment, right? It was always just as near. You know, we cannot make this mistake in life of thinking that death is something that happens to us at the very end of our lives. Death is the thing that is constantly looming over us, right? And may strike at any moment, right? And so the, 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 the perspective that Seneca is giving here is saying, listen, if death is always just as close to us as any other moment in our lives, right, uh, then what that means is that it is either to be feared or it is not to be feared. Their argument is that because it is always close to us and because we're really just afraid of the thought of death and because, you know, it's just going to be that little painful moment uh, right before you don't feel pain and, you know, because of all these things that he's been saying in this letter, perhaps we can find some consolation 
tradition in philosophy, right? And the remembrance of death and the and the remembrance that it is always close to us. This can perhaps be something that enables us to not have that intense rush of fear and anxiety and stress at the end of our lives or when we start to see uh, death coming even closer to us, we will know that it has always been near us. It has always been this close. And so one thing that I want to add here is that, you know, perhaps this is all just the ramblings of a young student of philosophy who has never had this experience of being that close to death, you know, and so we need to take everything that I say and everything that Seneca says even with a grain of salt. And we need to ask ourselves, you know, we when we talk about such a heavy topic as death, and it is a heavy philosophical topic, right? We always need to be asking ourselves, you know, Maybe I agree with what Seneca is saying on a propositional level. Maybe I can state my, you know, acceptance of his ideas, right? But do you really believe it? And do you really feel the the comfort that these words might bring you, right? That's the real question, because there is no question about whether or not death is a horrifying thing. It is a thing that, uh, you know, a, a, a process of life that humans have really not grasped fully how to deal with yet, you know? I mean, look at the amount of money and resources that we are spending in our modern age on trying to prolong our lives. You know, we really do, as Stephen Jenkinson says, we live in a death-phobic culture. And what that means is that, uh, that, there is, that there is a real need for us to return to philosophical principles that can help us to deal with our own mortality, right? And so when I say to you all of these things about what Seneca says this and he says that and, you know, maybe I say this and maybe I say that, you need to ask yourself, Does perhaps I feel a little bit of a rush of excitement because I've just learned a new philosophical idea or I've learned something from Seneca that the way that he thinks and maybe this can help me. But do you genuinely feel the comfort that these words might bring you if you really understand what they're saying, right? And I think personally, you know, I can say that I think that in my life, I have had a general attitude towards uh, the idea of death that it's not something that upsets me. You know, I know people who uh, uh, struggle with the idea of death every day and they're young people, you know, and they, they have a hard time with it. I know people who are elderly who, you know, clearly are clinging on to life and, you know, really uh, afraid of death, right? I don't find that at all. And I think that that personally is a, I think it's more of a temperamental thing for me uh, than anything, uh, right? I did not do a whole lot of work to get to this position where I uh, do not necessarily fear death. And so that's why I say, take all of this with a grain of salt. We're going to be forged in the fire, you know, at that moment when you start to see death marching closer and closer towards you, perhaps that's the moment when uh, all will come to light, whether or not your philosophical statements of belief really meant anything, right? Um, But uh, I think that what we can get from this entire letter from Seneca is that he's wrestling with this question. He's old. He's talking to an elderly friend of his. They're both talking about, you know, how can we 
soothe the soul, right, at this moment where we finally realize that, yeah, death is and always has been around us. How do we deal with that fact? And and they're wrestling with the question. That's incredibly important. So I think that that's, that's really a beautiful element of this letter. And then I think the best part of this letter is how he really ends up with a joke. He says that, but, but what I really ought to fear is that you will hate this long letter worse than death itself, so I shall stop. I think he needs to do that more often. Sometimes his letters can, can go on a little bit, just like this episode. So I'm going to pause it here. Thank you so much for listening. Consider these things in your heart, your soul, your mind. Uh, allow them to dance gracefully throughout the other ideas and amongst the other ideas that you've been learning from Stoicism or any philosophical endeavors of yourself. So uh, enjoy, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>